Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to start today's show by making almost the opposite point that I made the other day. Not contradicting myself, I don't think anyway, but just basically looking at the other side of a coin that I may have uh, addressed on a previous show. I talked at one point in time, and it may have actually been on a Friday, if memory serves, but my memory is also prone to fail, about how with Georgia bringing in some of the high-profile transfers that it's bringing in, and gosh knows, as you start thinking about next week and what you're most eager to see with the Georgia practices that are about to take place, how an Eric Gilbert fits into the offense, how a, how a Darian Kendrick, how a Tyke Smith fits into the defense, as deep and loaded and as talented as this Georgia team is, how those guys fit into all this is obviously one of the fascinating subplots as we head towards the, the uh, upcoming week when Georgia practice gets ready to begin. But what we said on a previous show was that as talented as these guys are, measurable talent, right? I mean, Pro Football Focus loves Eric Gilbert. You can decide for yourself if that matters or not. Uh, true, more mainstream, tangible praise for a guy like Darian Kendrick, who has, you know, been a all ACC performer during his time at Clemson. Uh, Tyke Smith, measurable, mainstream, tangible hardware for him there as well. He was uh, on multiple All American teams a year ago. Also, I guess Pro Football Focus there too. Uh, so, so you've got these credentials these transfers are bringing in. That's a big deal. But how they fit in, it's not just good players. It is to use intentionally bad grammar, good players who also play good together that really matters here we talked about the role that team chemistry plays in all of this that that the players coming into georgia these high profile transfers they have to have something to buy into they have to have something to to join to make themselves a part of and it was the job of veteran players in some cases guys like maybe Amir Speed, for instance, who've been waiting in the wings, waiting their turn for their chance to play, who are going to help contribute to that team chemistry that gives the transfer players a culture to, to fit in with and belong to. That was all going to be a big part of that. But the flip side of this is, for as much as the talent matter, I'm sorry, for as much as the team chemistry matters, and as much as the, 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 you know, the, program vibe that's already existed at georgia for as much as that's a big deal the fact of the matter is the overwhelming amount of talent that some of these new transfers to bring georgia that's a really big deal there as well it almost kind of reminds me of you think about sports for a moment you know like if you were to say like what are the most fun jobs you could possibly have in sports you know you know what are the jobs that 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 would possibly be as much fun as anything i always sort of felt like that being like a sixth man on a basketball team would be like a really fun thing to be able to do you know you can kind of come off the bench you start jacking up threes you don't have to play defense for the full game up and down the floor 48 minutes like when i was a kid the the uh pistons have what like Vinny the microwave johnson like the microwave back when they was even kind of a sort of a new technology you just kind of come in you sort of heat things up and you uh, you know, go back and sit on the bench here a little bit that that in sports sometimes you kind of need that energy you kind of need that spark and for for a georgia program that obviously has a lot going for it it's very deep it's very talented it's one of the the best programs in all of college football one of the programs most set up for a chance to succeed here this upcoming year sometimes you kind of need that spark off the bench the way that a sixth man would provide that for you in basketball sometimes you need that new energy to kind of step in there and 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 just give you a little extra dynamic quality give you a little dose of you know kind of what you need there and that's what some of these new transfers may have a chance to do for Georgia when the season sort of officially begins next week with the start of practices in fact let me go back to SEC media days for a moment on this on a couple of notes there was one of the press conference rooms that Kirby Smart was in last week where when asked about the the needed defensive back a big reason why Kendrick and Smith are even here to begin with is because of the void left when guys like Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes move on and DJ Daniel and Richard LeCount a lot of those names you know Mark Webb that that leave an opening for other guys to step in Uh, that's a big part of why Tyke Smith is here, why Darian Kendrick is here. And it was really interesting last week to hear how candid Kirby Smart was on the subject of his need at defensive back when he spoke to the media. Take a listen to this and see if you uh, think that same thing as well. Here's Kirby. When Tyson and Stokes took over, we had just lost players. And when they leave, we're going to have to find new players. It's part of the offseason and part of the recruiting process to figure out who's going to help us in those areas. And we've got capable players in the secondary. We don't have the depth that we are used to. We will need to avoid injury in that area. 
I mean, I think that's a very candid statement from Smart. We don't have the depth that we're used to maybe around here. we got to avoid injury at defensive back, and obviously the unspoken subtext to that is. That's also why you go out and get a guy like Kendrick, who could be a first-round pick, Tyke Smith, who also could be a first-round pick. It's that immediate spark they're expected to provide, and I think you could see, uh, probably will see, some of that as soon as next week when you start hearing some of those rumblings and reports coming out of Georgia practice about you know who's kind of setting the tone. Talented players like Kendrick and Smith joining in being a part of a Georgia roster that's already got a lot of culture and chemistry working for it, I think they could provide a pretty dynamic spark next week. I think the same thing is true on offense. And, you know, I'll invite you to listen to yesterday's show where I thought we had a really good conversation with Terrence Edwards, a guy who knows pass catching, was a great receiver at Georgia, knows Eric Gilbert well, another one of these big transfer names, the dogs. And we were talking yesterday about how Gilbert might be used and what the theory was of is he exclusively going to be a wide receiver? Is there a chance he lines up some at tight end still or something that at least looks a little bit like a tight end to most of our eyes? And I think different people can have different opinions on that. I think there's some room for some range on that. Clearly, Gilbert himself wants to be a wide receiver, but but how he's used is going to be interesting. However, no matter ultimately how he lines up and and where he stands in the formation before the play is called, ultimately the same way that a guy like Darian Kendrick and Tyke Smith can provide that spark for you defensively. Pretty clearly, Gilbert has a chance to provide that same spark offensively, no matter where he ends up ranking on the end-of-season list of most receiving yards, most touches, things like that. The presence of such an overwhelming talent, such an obvious to the naked eye, you can look at him and see this is a guy who brings some real on-field credentials. You know, that's the kind of thing that really has a chance to provide a spark for Georgia. In fact, Kirby Smart last week, once again, talking to SEC Media Days and the way in which he spoke about Gilbert, you get a sense of just how true that really is. Here's Kirby once again. There wasn't a lot of communication there. There was a time where he was back home training, working out. He was in the portal, but nobody really knew what he was going to do. There was a thought that he may go back to LSU. Obviously, there was a time where he was committed to Florida, but I never spent a lot of time worrying about it. You know, we worry about the players that we get and not the ones we don't. I learned a long time ago that I can't control the decisions of 18, 19-year-olds, so we just told him he has an opportunity here. If he's interested, let us know. It wasn't a constant pursuit, not something that we consumed ourselves with. As an opportunity there at Georgia, let us know if you want to be a part of it. Ultimately, that's what Gilbert did. And next week, we may see the dividends kind of pay off on all of that. I mean, I guess ultimately, here's the way I kind of think about a lot of this kind of stuff, that it has been said before that humans kind of have a simultaneous desire for both certainty and uncertainty. You know, they like knowing they have a stable job, stable place to live, but they also like a little excitement in their life every now and then there as well. And I'm sure you're probably wired the same way. I certainly feel like I'm wired that way. I think football teams are, are to a degree somewhat similar in that you've got to have stability you've got to have some pillars in your roster that contribute to team chemistry and kind of give everybody something to rally around some sort of form of cohesion but in addition to that you've got to have some dynamic qualities too you got to have some guys that show up every now and then just sort of spice things up and even if Kirby Smart in the clip you just heard kind of downplayed the arrival of Eric Gilbert behind the scenes you know the dogs uh, coaching staff high-fiving each other when they have a chance to add his spark to this Georgia offense same thing for Darian Kendrick Tyke Smith there as well Kirby at SEC media days may say yeah we're not really quite sure what these guys bring to the table because we haven't seen them practice yet but deep down they have some idea that for a Georgia roster that was already pretty deep and for a Georgia team that's gotten used to playing with each other there's a dynamic spark coming next week a couple of those names on the defensive side of the ball one of those names on the offensive side of the ball and i expect them to spice things up here pretty quick what does it result in as far as end of season for georgia still too early to know that but does it make the early days of these georgia practices a little more exciting my guess is the answer to that will be an emphatic yes my name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger and Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, also right there at the top of the page at dognation.com. Man, that's a lot of fun to be able to do. So many of you found that, and you're enjoying that. You're already going to dognation.com anyway, so just go there and watch the show each and every day. It seems like it's been a pretty good viewer experience. In fact, if you've got some feedback on it, I'd love to hear it, but so far, so good it seems to be on that for right now which is really kind of a cool thing also podcast on all the various podcast platforms our friends on the radio in athens on athens sports radio 960 the ref lots of ways for you to get in touch with what we're doing here and we just appreciate you being with us no matter how you get to us also big big thanks to our friends at kroger for making the show all possible and y'all hear me say good things about kroger all the time and i say that obviously from the perspective of a kroger shopper but here's the one thing you can also know is that 
Kroger is also a great place to work there as well. In fact, some of you are going to get a chance to find that out today. I want to make sure I give you all the details on this. This is really important. For those of you who need a job, and right now folks do, uh, there's a hiring event going on at all Kroger stores today. It's from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Interviews are going to take place in person there at the store. Listen, I can't recommend this employment opportunity to you enough because I know the way that Kroger takes care of its employees. I talk to Kroger employees literally all the time, and I know how happy they are. Kroger offers competitive pay, benefit packages. Uh, also, they're hiring for all departments. Now, there's some there's some special needs they need, uh, so I want to make sure you're aware of this. The overnight stocking department, grocery pickup, and perishable service departments, so they're in the stores. These are great jobs, great chance to really work hard to to put food on the table of the folks in your community, and what more rewarding work could there be than that? And you get a chance to do that today. Kroger hiring event, all stores in Georgia, today from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m., so please make sure you check that out. I think you'll be really, really glad that you did. It is Jeff Sintel here coming up in just a little bit. We'll talk a lot of UGA recruiting with Jeff. Before we get to that, though, I want to go around the doghouse here today, uh, delivered by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And as I said to you last week, it's so much fun to have Marco's Pizza back here again on Dog Nation Daily. And I want to show this to you on the screen for those of you watching on video just briefly. I actually don't know much of the details behind this. Maybe I should. I don't know who the person being shown in this video is. Maybe uh, Jeff Sintel, our recruiting insider, does, or maybe some of y'all do. Um, so Barstool, the uh, of course, you know Barstool Sports, they have a UGA account. And so they tweet out this little video, and I took a snapshot of the video. Um, the Barstool account asked, how are we feeling about this red on red? What you see is someone in a Georgia uniform wearing the traditional red Georgia jersey and the red Georgia pants. Now, I, now I can't quite tell if this is the um, – the same red pants from the from the Arkansas game a year ago. I don't quite see the sides and see if they have that gigantic white stripe. I told you before, um, I love the pictures of the uniforms that Georgia wore for the uh, Arkansas game a year ago. But in person, being there at Reynolds Razorback Stadium during the season last year, the white stripe on the side of the uniform is just too wide. It almost looked like a set of white wall tires from like some Cadillac back in the 1980s or something like that. They were just a little too wide for my taste. And look, you see a photo like that of the red on red, it gets some fans excited. Certainly people who are younger than me seem to get really, really excited about that kind of stuff from time to time. But my response to this is, this is why we can't have nice things. You know, uh, for someone like me who's like against almost all forms of change, the argument we always seem to make is slippery slope, slippery slope. And we said this last year when Georgia wore those red pants for the Arkansas game. As cool as it looks, and I think it looks awesome with the white jerseys, it does remind me of the Herschel Walker era and some of the really, you know, good days of, of Georgia football kind of before I was born and certainly before I was old enough to pay attention to what was going on. But I said back then, the problem with this is it's a slippery slope, and pretty soon you're going to see red on red and red on black and everything else, which is what some Georgia fans want. But, you know, I am a little bit of a traditionalist in all of this. I've sort of made peace with the black jerseys. I don't mind those. I don't really like the dog collar on the neck, but I don't really mind the black jerseys too much anymore. That's one of those things I've kind of made peace with a little bit. But you're going to have a hard time convincing me that Georgia should go away from one of its honest traditions. I mean, it's actually one of its official trademarks. The silver britches, even though they're not really totally silver like they should be, uh, the silver britches are um, that's an official trademark of the uh, Georgia program. You're going to have a hard time convincing me that's what Georgia should do, going away from those uh, silver britches a little too much there. But uh, but nonetheless, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, there's always gonna. I, there's also some of these accounts now too, which I really love, and this is something I do enjoy. That kind of have their own spin on things. They're like really talented guys on and gals on uh, uh, like Photoshop and things like that. They'll make their own Georgia uniforms and create their own designs. And I don't mind seeing that kind of stuff. You know, it's almost like the uniform version of a concept car. I, I don't mind seeing that, but uh, you're gonna have a hard time convincing me to get Georgia to go away from the uh, tradition. But nonetheless, uh, Barstool shared the red on red. That got a little bit of chatter here in the pro around uh, you know Dog Nation over the course of the last day or so. So I thought it was worth at least bringing up the program there for a moment. That is around the doghouse. It's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And of course, Marco's is one of those things. It's so much fun to have back on our show, doing incredible stuff, including offering you great value as you head towards the weekend. How about a bundle of uh, large one-topping pizza, pizza bowl, and cheesy bread all for just $21.99 incredible savings there really the secret to living your best life is pizza I'm talking about the kind of pizza that you get at Marco's uh, Pizza you see it on the screen there that oh so craveable crust the melt in your mouth uh, three cheese blend that just looks so good and incredible savings there as well as I said before a large one topping pizza a pizza bowl and cheesy bread it's all just $21.99 if you want to find out more about that as you head towards the weekend check out the Marco's app download that if you haven't done that yet also find them online at Marco's 
Marcos.com. Marcos Pizza, pizza lovers get it. Here's something that Dog Nation Daily listeners get, a chance to talk some UGA recruiting each and every Friday. We have not done this for a while with our buddy Jeff Centel, but it's a great time to do that right now as we go on the road, assisted by AAA, big updates and some five-star names, some elite four-star names that are kind of maybe sort of in the mix with Georgia, maybe looking to find out more information on that. We'll do all of it with Jeff Centel on the road, assisted by AAA, and it's great to have you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. I was joking a little earlier, it feels like it's been quite a while since we've talked to Jeff Sintel. He was on vacation last week, and it's fun to get these updates from him right now. Jeff, let me start with a cordial greeting. Good morning to you. Welcome back to the program. Hope you enjoyed your vacation. Hope you're getting settled back in the state of Georgia here once again and ready for what's going to be a uh, big run-up towards Signing day eventually in December and, you know, more of the fallout from what's been a busy summer for recruiting already. So it's great to have you on the program to talk about that here today. Yeah, Brandon, hey, good morning, man. I heard you talking about uh, the red on red, uh, Dayon Bowie. You know, Dayon Bowie kind of snuck in last night. I think a lot of folks were thinking and expecting he'd show up over the weekend. Um he got in early, you know, Bainbridge, former five-star decommitment. And, you know, I don't know, Brandon, I don't know, what, what what was the more sensitive material to you? Was it the fact that Dayon Bowie was back, five-star um, prospect, former prospect in the class, or the fact that they went red on red with those Arkansas uh, red pants? Yeah, that's certainly interesting. I did not realize that was Bowie in the, uh, in the video that we just showed. That certainly spices things up a lot more. And, you know, listen, if Dayon Bowie wants to wear red on red, then maybe I can get talked into it, right? But ultimately, I'm probably a little bit of a traditionalist that would like to try to convince some of these young guys that the silver britches are probably still the way to go, even if they're not quite as silver as they should be, or as silver as like some of these NFL teams' pants are, like the Dallas Cowboys, teams like that. Somehow uh, we can figure out how to do the metallic silver for these NFL pants, but we can't quite figure that out for college but listen if Dayon Bowie wants to wear red on red then I, I guess at that point in time I, I guess you got to let him at least uh pose for the photographs that way right yeah I mean you know Brandon with as much as has changed in college football over the last five weeks um I don't know I would think there might be some world where Georgia might be wearing chrome pants a chrome jersey and a, a black helmet sometime coming to a, a Nike design scheme grid near you man I mean after all this, I don't think nothing, nothing, nothing's going to surprise us anymore. Well, speaking of Bowie, who kind of was somewhat connected to uh, five-star defensive tackle Bear Alexander, there's also been a little bit of chatter about Alexander on, like, say, Instagram over the last couple of days, whatever else, that maybe Alexander may have made his way back to the state of Georgia. Is there anything to this, Jeff? Do you think Alexander's still in the mix for Georgia at all? Uh, you know, this is, I guess, by my count, at least the second time he's been back in the state since he decommitted, you know, from the program. What do you make of it? Well, I think I think you got to remember. Uh, you know, I think you, you said you said a lot there, Brandon, when you said might be back in the mix at all. Well, I think I think he's kind of going to be in the mix. Uh, most people think that Texas A and M is going to win this recruitment in the end, but there's something to remember here. He hasn't made that he hasn't made that commitment yet. Uh, he saw a lot of schools in June, um, but you know, I, th- I think what it is, Brandon, is probably there's a lot of hope. Uh, at least people that follow this recruiting day to day that that I talk to and that I kind of listen to and get their sample of opinions from. Man, I, I think there's a lot of it that everybody sees. You know, Travis Shaw is not going to be, be be in Athens this weekend. Likely another trip to North Carolina. So, um, I, I, and then everybody's wondering about Walter Nolan. Walter Nolan's supposed to be in Texas A&M this weekend. A defensive tackle picture, man, is not so rosy. So I think the revival of maybe the Barry Alexander hopes is something that a lot of folks want to latch on to. I do think he comes back to Georgia for a game this fall. I do think Georgia is in there, but, um, you know, silver bronze medals, Brandon, we say this a lot. I don't think Georgia is right there with big Barry Alexander. Well, another five-star name there's been some chatter about lately, and, you know, last Friday on the show, one of the things that I talked about was – if you know you're looking to see Georgia kind of use the Branson Robinson commitment as a way of building momentum, you had to start looking at some of those big names that Georgia may have had some sort of loose connection to, and hope to see evidence that connection is growing in the weeks to come. And I guess if you want to have kind of a pie in the sky hope here, you know one of those names for me would be like a five star wide receiver like Luther Burden, who I guess admittedly there is a little bit more online chatter about here 
a week later than there maybe was a week ago when I first mentioned that name. You know, a lot of the theme of our discussion today is what's real and what's not. Um, is it an exaggeration to say that Georgia's in the mix for burden? Is there something here that you believe is real? Yeah, I think Georgia's in the mix. I think Georgia's a top top three, top two school for burden. But remember, Brandon, he's committed to Oklahoma. And, and now Oklahoma, um, you know, there's the thought that Oklahoma would, would be legitimized a little bit more with the SEC now. So, um, you know, maybe that's two years from now. Maybe that's three years from now. But um, I think, I, like I said, I've said a lot on a lot of platforms, man. I, I think I think Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC really just strengthens um, Oklahoma and Texas's recruiting platforms and not so much as Georgia's or any other school in the country. Um, I like the comment from, I think, Brett McMurphy had it on Twitter where he says, um, the SEC it just means more dot, dot, dot money. Um and, you know, Burdens is that receiver everybody wants to see, Brandon. But this is what I said on, on Before the Hedges on Wednesday, Brandon, is it doesn't matter anymore uh, what Georgia can show folks on a slip and slide or at a, wa- you know, at a, at, at a great, like, water fun environment on a, on a lazy afternoon July, afternoon weekend July anymore. It doesn't matter what they do on Zooms. It doesn't matter with the facilities and the, the weight rooms and everything else. I think the maximum, most important recruiting Georgia will do in 2021 is simply going to go on the field, Brennan. I know this is not giving away the the secret sauce here, but you know, kind of like what we talked about on our our most recent cover four that went up on the site where we did our over-unders, if you don't have a big season from Georgia throwing the football, all this Luther burden talk is kind of madness because Georgia's going to have to look like they're piping that football in there, um, big-time offense, scoring a lot of points, gunslinger quarterback, big play receivers. If, if none of that happens this fall, well, all this Luther burden talk is good in July, but it's going to quickly fizzle away in October. So I think that's an interesting thing to say, and I've talked a bit about this a bit myself, and I do truly believe that what happens on the field for Georgia right now is more important than what happens off the field related to recruiting because if Georgia recruits – if, if Georgia plays well enough, then recruiting is going to be fine. And if Georgia doesn't play very well, it's going to be hard to hold on to a lot of elite names anyway. So I would certainly agree with you on that. However, I think it's also one of those things you do have to point out here is that, you know, by the time Georgia proves one way or another how good it is, we're actually getting really close to the start of the early signing period. You know, December happens to be a very important year, both on and off the field related to this. So, Jeff. I mean, I hate to be negative here, but there is a chance that Georgia could have a good year on the field and still this not quite be the recruiting class that some Georgia fans have come expected to it being because you kind of have to have the right level of momentum, even with guys who are not silent commits or, you know, not obvious lanes, not as open about favoring Georgia as maybe Branson Robinson was. But you got to have at least enough of kind of an arm's length distance away from some of these guys so that you can still sway them with a good season, right? I mean, you got to be... You know, you got to be close enough for a good season to matter here. And I think that's what, at least the best that I can tell, what the remaining days of this summer is about, making sure you stay in the mix enough so that if recruits, you know, see what they want to see on the field, that you're still, you know, the kind of, you know, program they're, they're taking texts and phone calls from once decision day truly arrives. Is that a fair way to describe that in your mind? Yeah, I guess, Brandon, let me, let me give you the visual the way I see it. And I'll use a golfing term here, but. I think Georgia just needs to say stay one or two shots off the lead with a guy like Burden, with a guy like Andre Green, who took another big visit to Clemson um, for their retreat recently. Um, I think that's what needs to happen. You know, here's the visual. Obviously, you should beating Clemson would be beating Clemson would be great. Also, also I think throwing the ball around a lot would be great. And, and you know, beating Clemson. JT Daniels averaging like 300 yards per game, two or three touchdowns per game. I think that's going to put Georgia in striking distance with a lot of those guys. Is they really get to the meat of the matter with making their decisions in like November. And unfortunately for a lot of the scenario that you were kind of wincing about is when you got Georgia in the next year, man, a lot of these guys are going to make their decisions on the early signing period in, in mid-December. They're going to wait and take official visits late in the year. So I think Georgia's going to be in a spot where, you know, they play well, they beat Auburn, they beat Florida, put up some numbers in doing so, they make the SEC championship game. I think that's what a lot of folks want to see, especially for those impactful impactful recruits. I thought when I when I changed up the top targets board this week, Brandon, we had four names come off. 
We had four new names come on. And I think really we've reached the meat of the matter where you, you look at Andre Green, you look at Oscar Delp, you look at Kamari Wilson, and then you look at what's going to happen with a defensive tackle. I think those four names are really going to going to decide what kind of recruiting class Georgia has. Yeah. Top three, top four classes, and a top one, top two class. I mean, there's no other names out there like C.J. Madden, other names out there, you know, like D.J. Westlack is a new name that's, that's in Missouri, the, the guy that's picked up a lot of interest in Georgia of late. But I really, I think there's about four or five names that will that will really tell the tale of this class. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Green there, you know, in a lot of what we were just saying about Burden a moment ago, and this is where you know, I just have to be honest. You know, I'm not a recruiting reporter. I'm someone who follows the news and talks about it on the show like this. And I'm also a partisan that hopes that Georgia can sign the best class that it can. But in the case of a guy like Green, someone that I think we would both agree is one of those plan A type recruits for Georgia that like whatever the best version of the Georgia class would be, uh, a, a guy like Green would you would think be included on that. You know, if you're thinking, you know, most Definitely. optimistic appraisal for the for UGA, but that's also a guy that over the last few days, last couple of weeks, it just seems like it's gone a little quiet on the Andre Green Jr. front. Am I wrong in saying that? That you know, one of the things that I just notice are some of these guys that I think of as kind of your Plan A type UGA recruits, and the dog is just not barking at the moment very much. Well, in Andre's case, he's going to be very reserved. There's very few folks that he talks to. He's not very open. He's very guarded with with the information that comes out. Um, again, this is a different pace guy. Uh, a great reset I can give you guys on Andre Green Jr. is I think this is, you know, issue the rankings. Issue all the rankings where they have him as a top 20, 25 receiver. Guys, Andre Green Jr. is a top five, top six wide receiver talent in any year. He's, about, he's got that six foot three, juicy size, great ball skills, lots of one-handed catches on his film. Very determined, very purposeful, business-oriented young man. Um, I think he's going to be a star in college football. And it was a situation with Clemson where that was kind of a dream offer for him, and it didn't come. And it didn't come until he camped for Clemson in June. And you know that was, you know, we know these stories, Brandon. Guys like Tank Bigsby, guys that Georgia got in really late, or they weren't really settled or set on a guy yet. And some of the some of the times that stuff does some harm, especially when there's, when 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 programs like North Carolina and Georgia keep prioritizing, keep showing the value and showing the love. Well, this is a situation with Green where he's got to decide, you know, what does he really want, especially with a lot of momentum now from Clemson coming in. I mean, Brandon Andre Green Jr. Everybody gets excited about receivers around here. I think this is one of the best three or four receivers Georgia has recruited and been in the boat with and been in contention with in quite some time, one of the very best. Um, and I think this is a situation with Green. He just doesn't talk a lot. And then I mean, most folks were thinking, I noticed some folks had asked me, like, you know, is it a bad thing that he's not going to go visit Georgia in July during this last month? I don't think it is because it was never his plan to go see Georgia. Remember, another thing about Andre Green Jr., folks got to realize, is he does things, he does these things on his own pace. And I mean his own pace. He's the guy that will take an official visit, and then maybe four, five, six weeks later, he'll trot out the tweet, the social media appreciation, and the social media thanks for, um, for being, host, being hosted on an official visit. He doesn't do everything according to the timelines of most other recruits. Very, very interesting stuff. I want to ask you about Walter Nolan, the five-star defensive tackle here coming up in a moment. Let me remind folks, this is on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. Jeff's been on the road. Glad to have him back on the phone here right now. And, of course, as you're on the road, you think about AAA for the legendary roadside assistance. Uh, I was traveling with somebody yesterday, not my car, but somebody else's car, got a flat tire. You know, we were uh, going to a business meeting, got a flat tire on the way. That's the kind of stuff that happens. And, listen, when that does go down, obviously knowing that you've got AAA to be able to help you in situations like that, that's great. Great, but that's not the only thing that makes AAA great. Also, legendary roadside assistance. In addition to that, you can switch and save your auto insurance. Those that do save on average $529. That's big savings. That's money in your pocket you can do something with. So find out more about this. Go to AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. Find that out. Switch and save your auto insurance with AAA. So, uh, Jeff, let me be – I was negative a moment ago. Let me be more positive here for a moment. Ultimately, I don't know where five-star defensive tackle Walter Nolan's going to play his college football I think that he is certainly a very intriguing prospect for this 2022 class but 
on the heels of him announcing that he's going to be going to high school football, high school in Knoxville this year, a lot of Tennessee fans think that greases the wheels for him to come there and be a part of the Vols program. For the most part, I scoff at that. I mean, obviously, it's I mean, there's a little bit more geographic proximity now for Tennessee. They could potentially use that to their advantage, but Tennessee's got so many problems. I'm not quite so sure that I think Nolan's presence in Knoxville changes that all that much. I'm hopeful that I don't end up being wrong about that. But what do you think of Nolan now being in Knoxville and how that does alter the landscape for his recruitment? So Powell, Tennessee is kind of like the metro area of Knoxville. It's nearby kind of a hamlet uh, community, a suburb community. Um, you know, here's what I think about Walter Nolan in Tennessee. I mean, he makes the move to Powell, I believe, because he's got a former mentor, former coach there that's on that staff uh, that kind of helps him move over to there. But I think I think this is his third school in high school, at least maybe his fourth school in high school, uh, counting IMG Academy in there along that stop. So um, I would think with Nolan, um, yeah, his top schools, Brandon, have always seemed to me like they were going to be Michigan, uh, Florida, Alabama, Georgia. Um, if for someone that's got that much SEC on their brain with their college decision, if he goes to Tennessee, I think he knows what's going to happen there. Tennessee may stay home, maybe local boy, may collect a lot of NIL money as the All-American defensive tackle type on their front. Um, but he's going to be on the wrong side of a lot of scoreboards if he goes to Tennessee. Let's just let's just call that what it is, especially against teams like teams like Alabama, teams like Georgia, and even Florida. Um, I think Walter Nolan's decision might change one or two times. Here's what's going to happen. If, he, if, he, if, he's in, if he's in Texas A&M this weekend, uh, we know what happens of late. Everybody has a great, wonderful visit at Texas A&M, and Texas A&M is suddenly a contender. Um, stranger things have happened, but I would be stunned if um, Walter Nolan ends up at Tennessee. I always ultimately thought this was going to be maybe an Alabama-Georgia-Florida-type decision. And You know, a player that good, Brandon, he's really good. He's the type when – you know, he, he's in these showcase camps. He's making top 50, top 100 offensive tackles look really silly. Nobody can block him, not even uh, Tyler Booker, a name that Georgia fans know well and maybe wince about uh, having lost him to Alabama again. But, um, you, you know, Walter Nolan's situation, um, I, I really think there's a lot of meat on the bone right there with that re- recruiting story, and we probably haven't even gotten, gotten past the first quarter of his recruiting journey. I want to ask you about two more names really, really quick before we let you go. Yesterday, one of the things we saw on social media again was the return of the Delp is a dog hashtag. Uh, Jalen Walker and others were kind of pushing that. I, I talked last week at SEC Media Days about how interesting I thought it was that Shane Beamer, the South Carolina coach, seemed to pretty clearly be openly recruiting uh, Delp without mentioning him by name during his time there at the podium, which kind of gives a little bit of rise to what looks like a pretty effective recruitment of Delp by South Carolina. They've certainly rolled out all the stops. Um, Delp is a guy that I've assumed that Georgia was a lead for uh, on the basis of some of the things that Delp has told you in interviews about how well uh, Delp's family has been moved and, and, and the, the connection they felt to Georgia throughout all of this recruitment. Do you take the Gamecocks seriously for Oscar Delp, or I guess maybe any other team there as well? Where do you think of, at least on the basis of how it plays out on social media, a pretty intense battle for Georgia and South Carolina for Oscar Delp? Where do you kind of come down on that at the moment? I think it's gotten closer, Brandon. Um, I think that's safe to say. But, uh, you know, that, this is a recruitment. And remember, Brandon, I, don't, I want to make sure everybody gets the full frame, the full kind of 10,000-foot view here with, um, with Oscar Delp. I mean, Brandon, I, I, I guess I remember Oscar telling me. So Oscar had a breakout um, year as a junior, um, and he had three or four games of really amazing film. It was some showstopper performances, and then he really quickly um, became the number one tight end target for Georgia in 2022 and really the only tight end target for Georgia in 22. And, you know, Oscar's been told by the Georgia staff that, um, you know, according to the way he phrases it, or the way it's summed up is that they're not going to take a tight end this year if it's not Oscar Dell because that makes a lot of sense. You think about Darnell Washington has at least one more year. You think about Fitzpatrick might return. You think about you know Brett Scyther's there, Ryland Godey's there, finally healthy. Ryland Godey is for the first time in his Georgia career, and and then you've got obviously Brock Bowers who looks like he's walking on water and almost a, a semi near starter already in certain formation packages for Georgia. Um, he enrolled early. You know, Georgia is really loaded at the tight end position, and the fact that um, Delp would be the only you know addition at that position because he's such a 
he's such a guy that you have to have in the program. I remember Oscar telling me that um, – I remember Oscar telling me that Kirby Smart said, we don't really have anybody like you in the program with the speed, the blocking ability, the hands, the size, the athleticism. I mean, Delp has really put it all together. And um, I think we saw on social media where he had a – he had a, a 315-pound branch press with some reps um, heading into his heading into his senior season. That's pretty stout, considering he's a he's a high school tight end still. I think I think South Carolina is basically treating him like a like a Herschel Walker type recruit, um, like a you know like a mainstay anchor of the class recruit. Um, you know, the thing with South Carolina is you know I don't know if they have the, the really the quarterback that. You know, you see him talking to um, Kate Kublik, Kublik and I, a lot with Clemson. Delp, the only school he's visited so far in July was to Clemson. Clemson has always kind of been that school, whether he may or may not give them an official visit. Um, he's kind of got one of those saved in his back pocket. So, you know, with with Delp, that's one of those huge names, Brandon. I think I've got him second or third now, highest ranking ever on the top targets list. Uh, it's one of those names we can just simply say, um, if he's not in the class, then this is not the best class Georgia could have put together in 2022. Last thing for you, uh, Anaya White, the four-star edge, is one of those guys that I don't want to say I you know, moved on from, but I pretty much convinced myself was probably not coming to Georgia. And then he goes on Twitter and teases the idea of taking a UGA visit. And then after that, it seems like it kind of went quiet on, on, on that notion. And so... <laughs> I was uh, down, up, and then down again when it comes to uh, Anai White here. Uh, the honest truth is I have really no idea where all this is trending. Uh, do you think that George is still involved in Anai White, and what did you make of the fact that he at least teased the possibility that he might take a Georgia visit? So I think that's proportionate to Tyke Smith. That's maybe uh, one of the major major things that Georgia has going for it in the Anai White uh, recruitment. Um, you know, he, 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 he also put out on social media that he's going to come out with a final four or a top four. Um, you know, and I, I, the interesting thing for me will be what school sneaks in there along with, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Uh, you know, according to what you hear, what you know, and it might not even be Alabama leading that recruitment anymore with uh, N.I. White. It might be a really strong push here from Ohio State, uh, you know, as well as Georgia trying to get into that mix. So, I mean, He's another All-American player. He's another All-American edge. But I think I think the other thing, you know, Brendan, I, I, we got to make sure probably we recycle this plot thread every every segment as well. But you know, everybody wants to see Georgia have a thousand-yard receiver and with twelve catches, and for JT Daniels to throw for four thousand yards and thirty-five to forty touchdowns. But everybody also wants to see Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith combined for twenty sacks. Yeah. That's the way you open the door. Or you, you, you get the feeling from an Anai White that, you know, he wants to do some of those Chase Young things in college. He wants to, he, he considers himself a pass rusher. That's his trait. That's what's going to get him noticed eventually by the Sunday league. And, you know, that's another thing where Georgia's got to show, uh, got to show marked improvement in 2021. Because one thing for Kirby Smart is he adapts very well to recruiting trends and recruiting needs. And, um, you know, you see like, you know, the promises now for the tight end position. You see the promises now and the outright expectation that Georgia's going to sling the ball around in 2021 um, for on a lot of those fronts. And I think Kirby Smart has reached the point where he realizes that um, the sack numbers are going to have to happen because really what it is, Brandon, kids notice NFL draft status and getting guys into the league as much as they do SEC titles and national titles. Maybe it's not the same thing as winning the Natty or winning the SEC for Georgia, but um, a situation where Georgia has – um, Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith is, you know, second or third team All Americans or first and second team All SEC. That's really going to help them with the recruiting uh, through a lot of those sacks. That's really going to help them with the recruiting of those two guys. Jeff Sintel, you can watch him each and every week on Before the Hedges, presented by Kroger. That's Wednesday night that his recruiting show. You can obviously read him each and every day on the pages of DogNation.com and here every Friday as we go on the road, assisted by AAA. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate. Uh, all of the interesting recruiting update. We'll look forward to reading a lot more from that. And, of course, uh, getting a chance to speak to you here on this show again very soon there as well. Looking forward to that. All right, B.A., man. Have a great weekend, man. Sorry about that flat tire. We'll catch you later. I right, see you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. 
This is SEC Three. All right, fascinating stuff there from Jeff Sintel. A lot of recruiting update, and not all of it great news, but I guess there is still time for some of that to change, and we'll see how that goes. What is great news, though, as here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, we continue our final day worth of giving out our Kroger Five Star Kid winners, and this has been so awesome. And I've actually heard some great feedback about this. Talked to some folks yesterday who are like, "BA, you've been hearing you tell these stories about the Kroger Five Star Kids each and every day, and." just so much fun honestly this is one of the great things to get a chance to do it's one of the reasons why i love partnering with kroger because you know listen obviously you know you know you have business relationship things like that but i like the people there because they like celebrating people who are doing great things we did this back in the spring because with our five-star moms and our five-star kids the same way each and every one of these stories and i wish you know for the people who've kind of sifted through all of these and drawn the winners out and you know giving out the t-shirts things like that you know even a lot of the stories that i haven't had a chance to personally hear about myself they've just been telling me how about how great all this is but the five winners that were drawn the five names we've read here i mean the stories just keep getting more and more enjoyable a great example of that today let's congratulate today's kroger five-star kid it's van shirley this is an awesome story uh, one of our kroger five-star kids for today fans got a huge heart huge fan of dog nation even watching uh listening to dog nation daily each and every day which obviously uh, is certainly very nice for me to be able to hear van of course loves the dogs loves the bulldogs recently attended the jake Fromm football camp which is probably a, a pretty cool thing just three months after actually having had some surgery so uh van tough getting back out there was the mvp of the age group maybe one day maybe on the field uh with the dogs there as well like jake Fromm once was obviously a really cool look there at ugga with van uh there on the screen so congratulations to van for being one of our kroger five star kids what an incredible thing and of course a terrific collection of gift cards including $100 to Kroger $50 to Domino's $50 to uh, Amazon $50 to uh, Dick's Sporting Goods really really good stuff there uh, from Kroger for our Kroger five-star kids winners congratulations and all of that all right SEC through here for a moment I got a couple of interesting quotes that will make up the majority of the, uh, the SEC through then after that before we're done the show today Somebody has done a pretty good job of mocking me online, which I have to uh, give a little credit for. Uh, I'm nothing if not a fan of self-deprecating humor, so I will let you have fun at my expense coming up in a couple of minutes. Before that, though, so there's been all kinds of talk about you know SEC expansion. What I've said on the show this week a lot is it's amazing to me that on the heels of adding Oklahoma and Texas, which is, I mean, literally, I believe without hyperbole, arguably the biggest story of like the modern college football times right i mean nothing changes the the landscape of college football maybe more than these traditional what i think of as southwestern powers now joining the sec the sec making the sec even bigger than it already was when you think about all the fallout all the ramifications for that i just think it's as big as the stories we've ever seen and yet what's interesting to me in the aftermath of this before it actually even becomes official and yesterday the league did uh you know vote to extend those invitations to texas and oklahoma but in the aftermath of this before it even becomes official you've got a lot of folks out there wondering what's going to happen next and it's not just like blowhards like me on streaming video and podcasts and a microphone saying well what if this happened you've got the actual principals involved in these decisions who are the ones that are openly speculating we gave you some example of that yesterday uh dabbo swinney just absolutely fantasy booking you know his future of college football right there for you your very eyes and now you've got a uh, john thrasher the outgoing president of the university of florida state university talking about some of this kind of stuff there as well so kurt weller is a reporter and what he writes is that before his retirement florida state president john thrasher shared his thoughts about the state of college football with a local news entity there he says uh he said he wants to make sure that florida state's not left behind thinking that oklahoma and texas is just the tip of the iceberg but the ncaa's future viability that's at tallahassee.com here's the quote from thrasher the fsu president uh weather writes uh of thrasher i don't want florida state to be left behind i consider us as a part of the acc but i also know that we have a marquee name clemson has a marquee name i think there might be people coming after us i don't know but we've got to be prepared no matter what the options are now normally when somebody says i think there may be people coming after me you might think they were paranoid or something like that but in this case maybe thrasher's right maybe maybe as a lot of folks have speculated including davos when yesterday maybe all of this is about a potential takeover of college football by you know the uh the sec and i guess if that's going to happen you know maybe a school like florida state and clemson could be a part of that i mean i can't reject anything on spec right now there's nothing that i can immediately say no that's crazy that's not going to happen i'm assuming anything related to like 
the you know the ACC rating would uh, not happen anytime soon. And I think it's fair to point out, even though Thrasher is pretty proud of his own school, Florida State, and Clemson's obviously uh, a fixture in the college football playoff. From a business standpoint, neither one of those schools bring nearly as much to the table as uh, Texas does, and I would say arguably less than Oklahoma as well. So the um, the motivation to rush out and get Florida State and Clemson. I know this sounds you know odd to say, but I, I think it's just objectively true. The the rush to go out and grab Florida State and Clemson just not as great as it would be to go out and grab a school like Texas. I mean, uh, the SEC already has a prominent foothold in the state of Florida, and you know uh, Clemson just for all it's worth. I mean, that's a school that shares a state with the University of South Carolina, and the state of South Carolina is very very small. Texas, by comparison, is a flagship state university for a gigantic state. You have very close proximity to three very big cities dallas and and and, uh houston and san antonio austin itself is certainly a growing community there as well so the landscape around the university of texas is just way different than it would be for florida state or clemson but thrashers out there saying hey look at us look at clemson maybe think about bringing us in and then there's this and so Dan Lebitard, you may remember him from ESPN, and now he's kind of doing his own thing. He's kind of broken off on the mole, you know, away from from ESPN. They're kind of an independent type guy now. And he had John Skipper, the former ESPN president, on his show uh, at some point in time this week. Now I want to read the description of the interview as Skipper gave to lebitard uh this this is the spun one of these websites that wrote this up a little bit and as a way of just like properly summarizing this i want to read a couple of uh sentences from this including a pretty telling uh um quote from skipper so what the spun writes is 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 no real surprise that espn hands uh has its hands all over these moves lebitard in the interview that i just told you about half jokingly pointed the finger at skipper who was an executive at espn for two decades led the network from 2012 through 2017 about the destruction of the uh, big 12 Uh, of course you know the uh, the big 12 is kind of publicly accused the espn of being involved in this too so at one point in time in the interview uh levitard asked skipper he says is all of this at the instigation of espn is all of this the potential dissolution of the big 12 is this all your fault and skipper says in a in joking way it's described as but skipper says i'd like to take the fifth do i have rights on that now as i said before the tone from skipper here is kind of joking but it is certainly kind of striking right that uh, a former espn exec basically says in a joking way that yes espn had had its hands all over you know what was kind of you know basically by bob bowlsby both yesterday and day before that called you know breach of contract that that espn was working behind the scenes to destroy the big 12 and people kind of laugh at that and act like the big 12 is you know doesn't realize it's already had its death warrant signed and you know things along those lines but i mean imagine if you were a big 12 fan there's a lot about this that just doesn't quite seem right and the response from people kind of who have been in the know previously espn is just kind of jokingly shrug it all off and so what i keep coming back to on this is I still am not running into a lot of people on the streets, in the comment section, wherever else, who are all that excited about the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. Now, I also haven't heard from too many people yet who are clearly able to articulate why, but something about it just doesn't quite feel right. I had another conversation like that yesterday with a pretty big Georgia fan who was like, uh, just something about this doesn't quite feel right. And I would say that my thought process on some of this is kind of somewhat the same way, that certain elements of this just don't quite feel right. And I think when you zero in on this, I think you start to get to the area, at least for me, that doesn't quite feel right. And I'm going to say it this way. If more of college football control is going to be at the hands of the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, I actually feel pretty good about that. Because for the most part, not not that everything that Sankey's ever done I love, but for the most part, Greg Sankey is someone that, from the outside looking in, seems re- relatively trustworthy. But if Sankey, in amassing all this control over the sport, adding Texas and Oklahoma and whatever may come after that, if Sankey's amassing all this power, but he still has to answer to ESPN, do you trust a college football world in which ESPN has essentially full control over the sport? Now, you may say, well, B.A., they've essentially already controlled it anyway. But there's a big difference between control almost all of it and control completely all of it because think about how college football is about to change 
for the last however many years, you've had a big SEC game, really the biggest SEC game each and every week on CBS. That's about to go away. In the future, ESPN is going to have complete control over the SEC television product. CBS is going away. In this wrestling match with the Big 12, the big entity that's actually kind of getting elbowed out the door here is Fox. Fox has a portion of that Big 12 contract, but obviously the ESPN swooping in to take the two entities within the Big 12 that matter most, Texas and Oklahoma that you know espn may have had the contract with the college football playoff but you've had other fairly sizable entities involved in this sport beyond that the big 10 network matters at least a little bit fox has been involved cbs has been involved but more and more it seems like espn as we move towards the future is about to have total control of the sport and for what it's worth a guy that used to be the president of espn's on a podcast laughing about the idea that espn just woke up one day and decided to squash the big 12 like a bug I mean, do you really trust ESPN running the sport in the future? I mean, look at the sports that ESPN's the most closely involved with right now. I mean, take the NBA, for instance. I mean, certainly to my eyes, it seems like ESPN has made a big part of its business model a connection to the NBA. Yes, Turner broadcasts some of the games, but and they even broadcast one of the conference finals. But, I mean, turn on ESPN almost any given day during the day. It's NBA talk, right? And there's a ton of shows dedicated to the NBA. You've got like Wojnarowski, the top NBA reporter. You've got a lot of ESPN's programming dedicated to the NBA. Well, what's happened to the league since they've been this closely aligned with ESPN? You can tell me about the reasons and uh, people diagnose the reasons the, uh, you know, in, in their own way. But since ESPN and the NBA have gotten more closely aligned, the NBA has become less popular. And so when you start thinking about why some people are a little bit uncomfortable with some of the moves that are going on with all this, I think some of what you get to is, I don't mind Greg Sankey controlling the sport, but I'm not quite sure, so sure I want that you know power in the hands of Sankey, but he's still having to answer to his TV overlords that are paying for all this in ESPN. A college football completely controlled by the world, what is it, the worldwide leader in sports? Boy, I'm not quite so sure that's necessarily a uh, good thing. Uh, we'll make that your SEC through. And um, we're going to have some fun at my expense here and coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to give a quick shot to my friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. You know, two-hour drive from Atlanta, whether it's the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort property, Harris Cherokee Valley River, you can find them there. Uh, casino gaming, luxury shopping, world-class spa, gourmet dining. The sports book is there. All these sporting events going on right now, including the uh, summer games themselves. All of that, you can get your bets down, live sports wagering there at the sportsbook. They have the kiosk of the place there as well, super convenient. Just check out the website, caesars.com slash harris-cherokee. That's caesars.com slash harris-cherokee. You can find out more about this uh, today. It's our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino and, of course, Harris Cherokee Valley River there as well. All right, very quickly here for a moment, uh, I have had a lot of golden shoes kind of pile up on me here so i want to kind of do a few of these so get ready to wrap up here today and obviously yesterday i kind of mocked myself because i'd seen a movie about a long time ago and one of the plot points of that movie was a legal concept called tortious interference and i was like well based on this movie here's what i think the big 12 may end up doing next and as it turns out i was that's kind of right about that and i thought it was kind of funny and so i laughed about on the show yesterday and some of y'all gave a, a great response to me because i what i said was i wanted a little bit of credit for my my legal expertise on this seth rhodes sent a, a funny tweet in where he was like i need someone to talk about me the way that dog nation daily talks about tortious interference which i thought was really funny but seth here's what you don't realize is that you may laugh at me for uh bragging on myself or whatever else but uh, i don't think some of you realize just how quite dignified and honored i am i told our video audience yesterday that i wanted to be known as ba esquire from now on to really kind of take advantage of my uh my uh legal legal knowledge and our buddy mad dog who's always so good at this kind of stuff i mean look at this photo uh for those of you watching on video you can see this mad dog gives you the best lawyers magazine there you see the power suit pinstripes and look at my face on the best lawyer <laughs> on the uh, best lawyer magazine cover there mad dog writes in here's a there's a ba esquire dog nation daily on the uh, cover of the best lawyers magazine that is very funny from mad dog really good stuff all the way around from him 
By the way, also, as a way of honoring Mad Dog, who's so good at giving us these uh, golden shoe-type submissions, I actually wanted to show you Mad Dog's face here a little bit there as well, because Mad Dog was good enough to send me another photo this week of him enjoying one of our great sponsors, the Finish Long Drink. There's actually the man behind the edits, Mad Dog 19 on Twitter, saying, I'm enjoying some hashtag long drink on a hot Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's going to be hot this weekend there as well. A little long drink going to go well with that. Obviously, Mad Dog, like so many of you, are so kind to support the sponsors that support us in the program i really appreciate that our buddy haggard also weighing in to do the same thing who says he was on his way to panama city beach but doing a little shopping to get ready for that and he got himself some finished long drink there as well he got the blue can which is the one that i like got the citrus soda i got the gin kick to it uh haggard a huge huge thanks to you for supporting us supporting our sponsors and i hope hope you're enjoying your summer like so many other folks are getting ready for the start of the season doing so in style there at panama city beach really appreciate you supporting the finished long drink just a really cool thing to be able to see you know we're able to stay on the air and do what we do because so many of you support our sponsors i am so grateful for that so for mad dog for haggard and everybody else we really appreciate that hope you all have a great weekend one more golden shoe that i want to celebrate here for a moment because listen if enough of you will support our sponsors maybe one day i can be as cool as this guy let me show you this picture on the screen here sam cully sent this to me on twitter Look at this boat, uh, good-looking boat, nice Georgia color scheme. The boat's name on the back, it says Gator Hater. Uh, Sam writes in on Twitter to say, glad to see Dog Nation Daily enjoying his Saturday. This was from last week. Uh, I'd love nothing more than to have a boat like that. Look at that big speaker system on top there. Talk about living the life. That's a great way to spend one of the few weekends we have left before the start of the college football season. And yeah, if I had a boat, I guess I'd go Gator Hater on the back of that there as well. So maybe one day, not quite yet for BA on that front, but maybe one of these days we'll be able to do that. But certainly for all of our Golden Shoe submissions, very good stuff here this week to kind of close out the week. By the way, speaking of the way we close it out, punctuation mark for sure. Just 92 days from right now, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets a win against those lousy stinking Gators. We will see you Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Talk to you then. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Really good stuff. We'll have some fun with you here, then let you get going for your week. And I'll take a few comments on both Twitter and the comment section there at dognation.com. I got a lot of good stuff on Twitter here as of late. Um, uh, Texas Dog writes in to say this, and I think this is actually kind of interesting, that uh, he and his wife are coming to Athens to watch their first dog home game on September 18th. We want to have the full game day experience in Athens. We need to have advice, uh, suggestions, and possibly somebody that can help communicate once we get there. Any suggestions? So I think that's something kind of interesting to talk about. Like, if you were coming in for your first Georgia home game of all time, what would be the ultimate game day experience? What are those things you think someone has to do? I think that's a pretty good topic, and I'd love to have more of you weigh in on that and share your your ideas of like what somebody if they've never been to a game before and this they're getting a chance to come they're already looking forward to it. What are the things they know they have to do? I think that's pretty good from Texas Dog, and I'd love to have some of y'all weigh in and tell me uh, some of your thoughts there on that there as well. Also, Kent Oliver wrote back in who was part of our podcast cool down yesterday on the subject of what the 2017 preseason All-SEC team meant for Georgia that year. And we talked about how, you know, Roquan being one of the guys that did kind of validate his preseason pick by also being a postseason pick and that he played so well that he probably obscured, made up for the fact that Georgia didn't have a lot of other defensive names that made that list uh, there that season. And uh, Kent also wrote in to say that you saw Alabama had 10 names on that from that preseason list obviously they go on to win the national championship georgia almost got there and really i think one of the things you can say about georgia is is they had so many and i'm going to use air quotes around this superstar type players that played like stars sony and nick and roquan that it probably made up for the fact that you know javon wims was the leading receiver but he had less than 800 yards receiving and jake Fromm was freshman quarterback who didn't really throw the ball all that much that year and you know georgia was I mean, the least deep secondary of probably all the Kirby Smart teams at Georgia may have been the 2017 secondary, right? I mean, you know, Georgia's had, you know, a lot more, you know, NFL type talent seemingly on all of the other secondaries. That, ironically, the team that went the farthest in the, uh, in the postseason may have been the team that had the least deep secondary there that year. But you had so many, and by so many, I mean high end guys like the two running backs and, and Roquan Smith. He had so many guys that played so well, especially when it mattered, that they may have 
made up for some of that. Chuck Billingham Jr. writes in to say that Mark Webb is already moved up to second team with the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers tweet out that he got the first pick of training camp. So listen, Mark Webb is a tough dude, right? I mean, that's you know that's a tough guy and a guy that you know had some successful moments in a Georgia uniform. So you know him doing well in the early stages of NFL training camp. It both makes me very happy to hear that. But to a degree, you know, maybe not all that surprising that a guy like that who's kind of been fighting his whole life would get in there and kind of, uh, you know, fight some of that there as well. So I think that's pretty good stuff. Uh, over here on the pages of uh, DogNation.com in our comment section, we post a show each and every day. Jim Dog 85 writes in to say that he'd love to see Clemson in the SEC. And he says, just send Vanderbilt over to the ACC. And I, I kind of get where you're coming from on that. Vanderbilt kind of gets on my nerves a little bit, too. Obviously, we know why they're in the league. They kind of like having one of those sort of fancy pants academic schools in the league. Uh, and I guess because of that Vanderbilt spot in the league is probably pretty safe. But I have this is a perverse thing to even think about. But I have kind of wondered, you know, at a certain point in time, conference expansion, you've kind of expanded all new territories. There are no more worlds left to conquer. And so the only thing left to do is to start contracting teams. And it's it's kind of unpleasant to think that one day the SEC might start kicking teams out. But if money is the really end-all, be-all, and if everything is driven by your, uh, you know, your, your financial potential, then at some point in time, kicking out the teams that don't you – know, there used to be like this thing at weddings, right, that – if you brought a gift to the wedding, whatever you the gift you brought better have cost more than the plate that you ate. You know, there's a lot of that in the SEC where you know some of the te- some of these teams may not bring as much in the league as they take out from the league. And at some point in time, uh, do you start looking to uh, not expand but contract a couple of teams? Who's to say what the future might hold? I don't know about that. But either way, good comments. Thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll see you back on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.